Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Glover's Talk, Somerset Live's weekly podcast discussing all things Yeovil Town Football Club. I'm your host, as usual, Liam Trim, and joining me, as always, is Stephen Dalbiak. Hi, Liam. Our sports editor and reporter, and Mike Taylor. Hello. So don't forget to check out somersetlive.co.uk forward slash sport for all of Stephen's coverage of Yeovil Town and what a week to follow Yeovil Town coverage. We're recording this on January the 8th, uh, a few hours before Yeovil Town uh, go into the pot for the fourth round draw of the FA Cup and it will be no surprise that this episode is going to be largely focused on the magic of the cup and the run which Yeovil could face after beating Bradford in a surprise home victory. Also, of course, don't forget that if you like what you hear on our podcast, go to iTunes and Audio Boom to subscribe and make sure you never miss an episode or, or a moment. Um, so we've got a quiz to come later on, as usual, in which Stephen has been, he's not been as dominant recently, but still pretty dominant. You know, Mike's sneaking in with some knowledge of soap operas in recent weeks, of all things. Getting him Can't make it too much board. of a domination, can I? I think you've got to give no, him a chance got to, to... he's got to give him some... Give me a consolation, give me some yeah. to nibble on, you know? Um, but that's all to come, because we'll start off by just recapping on a excellent third round victory for Yeovil, which uh, I think everyone in this room would be honest in saying we weren't expecting. Uh, <laughs> in Yeovil yeah. Town, we won, of course, 2-0 on Saturday, as that's January... The sixth against Bradford City, who are a whole league above them. And again, I, Stephen, I was just reminded after sort of digesting that result after it happened, just how high Bradford are in League One. They're not, they're not struggling in relegation, not in the mid table. They're sort of pushing right up there in the playoff zone. Yeah, I mean, not not only that, not only are they in fifth place in League One, but they also have the best away record in League One as well, which really just puts into um, sort of context just how mm. good an achievement this was by Yeovil did they play a strong side Bradford or rest a few yeah I understand they had a few um, people missing in defence I think they had a couple of injuries a couple of players who would um, who had loan players like in the same situation like Yeovil mm. had where they'd gone back but apart from that it was pretty much a full strength team you know Charlie White and Don't uh, take away from you know, the Paul, Paul yeah. Taylor all of the you know all of their attacking threats were on the pitch and so really for Yeovil to not only beat Bradford but be completely dominant for 90% of the game. What an achievement that is, because you have to remember that three days before the game, Yeovil had 10 fit players at one point, and it really looked like there was there was real concern before the game. But really, are Yeovil actually going to be able to field a representative team here? Are they going to have to you know dip into their youth team and just fill the team with with youngsters? And um, they managed to get you know some good deals done so before, before the game. Before we move on from that, then, should Darren Way, because obviously it's been a different year, difficult year for him, and on this podcast, we've obviously addressed the criticism that has come his way. Does he deserve credit for his role in those few days of the of the window, just putting together a squad which could not only do well in the league, hopefully, but has managed to pull off a shock in the cup? I think you have to because there was a lot of pressure on him to get that right. The Oval had to make at least you know two signings, probably. They didn't have to maybe make four, which is what they did, but it, it showed because Jared Bird and Marcus Barnes, who were two of the players that did sign, they went straight into the starting lineup on Saturday, and they were hugely influential in the Oval winning that game and. It wasn't just the fact that they had to get the signings in. You know, a lot of the players barely knew each other. Mm. We spoke to Marcus Barnes after the game, and he said he still didn't know the names of all of his teammates. Yeah. It was that recent. He came. He said he went into training on um, Friday morning at Southampton, expecting a routine training session. Was um, was pulled off the pitch by his um, manager and said, "You're going to Yeovil, basically." And um, right. it yeah. happened like that. And 24 hours later, he was there scoring uh, what was for first goal and what. Proved yeah. to be a, that's a tremendous upset. What a great so. human story in a minute. Yeah. Yeah. That's a very bizarre story. Imagine that in any other job. Like you just be you sat down in your office job, and then suddenly your line manager comes up to see you and say, 
We're shifting to Manchester. You're going to be yeah, well, I guess football is a very up in the air existence. So, yeah. so Steve, to come back to, I mean, obviously you were there as usual bringing us your coverage. Yeah. Uh, Mike and I, we've only had the chance to watch the highlights, but the highlights do paint a picture of, apart from one incredibly nervy chance which Bradford had in the second half, I think, yeah. they do look dominant. So what you're saying is it's not just the highlights, that's, that's how it was for the 90 minutes. No, I think at half-time, we were wondering how Yeovil weren't two or three goals up. They yeah. were that dominant. And then it continued in the same pattern, really, in the second half. Bradford were better in the second half. They came forward. They they were, they got into the game more. But Yeovil, you know, on the counter-attack, you know, they were very, very dangerous. And um, when they took the lead, you know, it, they were full value for it. And mm. you're right, there was a huge um, scare when Paul Taylor Ooh. from like, 25 <laughs> yards out just curls one in and he... It, it, Comes off his boot, and you just think, "Oh my word, this is in the top corner." Sort of hits the hair of the yeah. crossbar, yeah. but between the post and the and the crossbar, doesn't it? Where, yeah. What, is it, what do you call it? Something the stanchion. Yeah, stanchion. Yeah, or something like that, right? yeah. yeah. But then it comes back out to um, Shane McCartan, who's then one on one with Arta Krizyak, and then you have to give Arta all the credit in the world because it's an unbelievable save there to to keep that out. And I think if Bradford do get an equaliser there, it's the sort of thing that when you're a, a higher team mm. who've you know not played well who've gone a goal behind when you get a, an equaliser in circumstances like that it does tend to change the course of the game it's a game and sap a bit of yeah. belief so overall you know they, they got a bit lucky there but it you know take nothing away from the quality of a performance because it was superb I, I don't think I've seen a better Yeovil performance in a long long time and um, it really you know sometimes when you get these upsets you know it's uh, sometimes because you've beaten the team 1-0 you've had a couple of chances and you've ridden your luck and you've held up defensively but mm. Bradford really you know produced very very little considering the quality they have and I think if you'd taken a neutral who didn't know what level either team was playing at you'd have said Yeovil were the league one team it mm. was that it was that clear cut Yeovil's own superiority and they fully deserve a win so let's talk about the role of those new boys a bit more then because what excited me was not only seeing you know that, like you say that first goal taken very well by Barnes just racing away with pace and slotting it in and then the second goal although as you pointed out Mike Barnes has a little yeah. bit of a comedy fall over what was exciting for me was you've got Zoko, Barnes and Green there all racing up the pitch and moving forward into the league where we know the Yeovil will need to keep picking up points to move away from the relegation zone. They look like free attacking players along with others that, that weren't in that move that could that could stand Yeovil in very good stead. Yeah, absolutely. And the thing is that now you've got those three players, they're pretty much guaranteed nailed on to be there for the rest of the season. So yeah. you do have a good core there. Play, uh, I know fans will want players like Khan and Olam Moller and Serge to, to still be at the club or to be at the club for the whole season. But if they do lose them, there are players there who can come in and score goals, which is very encouraging to see. I think particularly to have players like Barnes come in and, you know, for back of one training session, produce a performance like that. Mm. And the same with Jared Bird. It does bode very well because a lot of the time you do need you know, a few days just to, you know, get to know your teammates, get to know how they play. But they just, you know, took like, took to game like a duck to water really and they it was were the occasion that just they got hyped up for the magic it. of the yeah. it looked like Barnes just sort of in, like some of those clips he looks like he has an understanding just naturally with yeah. players like Zoko. I mean it, it looked like they'd been in there all season really mm. I mean, they just slotted in so seamlessly I do think maybe the situation leading up to the game might have helped over a little bit because I don't think anybody really expected anything from the game mm. it had been quite a lot of upheaval it was almost like the pressure had been taken completely off the oval they were able to or the players that were there and went out onto the pitch were able just to, you know, play with freedom. You know, it doesn't really matter. Nobody really expects you to win. But if you go out, play an actual game, to try and take the game to Bradford, then who knows what can happen. And um, I think it caught Bradford off guard and they just didn't look like they had um, 
they had any idea how to cope with that. Mm. Yeah, and Mike, you, we've touched already on Stephen shedding light there on what seems like a whirlwind few hours for, for Barnes. Um, he must have been, it sounds like he's been waiting in the wings maybe at Southampton for his chance to impress. Mm. Do you think this is just a case of he managed to really hype himself up for this fixture, which he knows an FA Cup match, the, you know, the world will be watching, mm. especially if he does well enough? Yeah, of course, yeah. So do you think it's just a case of, you know, he's been waiting for it and yeah. he sees this chance? He really is, really. I mean, I think every player, when they go out there, they always want to make a name for themselves. And obviously, because that's the whole point of a loan move, really. Mm. Um, it is a case of, you know, he's got to his new club, he doesn't know his surroundings, but he's a case just want to make a name for himself, really. Um, imagine, you know, he could even be here for, what, what six months and yeah. do some absolute phenomenal performances. And that's going to be potentially a benchmark. For his career, obviously, he wouldn't be, you know, in the short term, it'd be quite positive for Yoba, but obviously for himself, yeah, that'll be launchable for the rest of his career, really. So, this is he's sort of taking this game, you know, the scruff of his neck, really, and obviously wants to make, really make a yeah. success of his time could, at Yeovil Town. Could really so. put himself in, in the shop window of his time at Yeovil Town. Let's yeah, hope Yeovil get maximum benefit from it. I mean, mm. Stephen, is there anything else you want to say about the game before we move on to discussing the draw? I think only that you know they were they thoroughly deserved that victory, and that's the sort of performance that they now need to make sure they can take into the league because they've been doing well in the cup competitions. I mean, the stat is they've played five teams in divisions higher than them this season in various cup competitions and won four of them. So they are capable when they come up against higher opposition teams. You know they're well motivated, they plan well, prepare well. They really, you know, are capable of um, of giving them a game, and it's the sort of thing now when they've got a good run of fixtures still coming up in the league, as mm. we keep mentioning. But they have the opportunity to really pull themselves clear of trouble and get into that mid-table um, area in League Two, and um, that that is what would be most frustrating if they don't is if they don't translate that into the league, because the fans can see what they're capable of, and it's performances like that which is why results like Morecambe are so frustrating mm. because you, you saw the quality that was on the show on Saturday and you think this is an actual this is actually a really good team that Yeovil have. They just don't produce that quality often enough in the league. And if they can do that then you've got a really good chance of ending the season well. Yeah, and if I'm gonna put my cynical hat on, I guess like we we jokingly have said in the run up to that FA Cup game that it'd be typical of Yeovil to pull off an impressive performance mm. in the cup and then not replicate it in the league. And I guess talking about loan players, I guess that you know the the downside of that is that someone like Barnes might be able to motivate himself for a game like that, you know, against higher opposition in the cup. Will he be able to make sure that he's focused on getting the best for Yeovil in all the forthcoming league fixtures? Too early to say, I know, but one mm-hmm. will be interesting to watch. Actually, just I've remembered before we move on, how did Yeovil cope at the back with Swimney suspended? Yeah, and that's a really good point. I'm glad you actually mentioned that because I'd forgotten to mention it myself. They played brilliantly. And Bevis Mugabe came in alongside Nathan Smith and was superb. You know, as you know, they they were really untroubled throughout the whole game. You know, across the back, and I think that's testament to the way that they all performed. I, if you um, go onto Yeovil Town's Twitter page, it's a brilliant gif that they've put up where they've uh, christened uh, Bevis Mugabe the Salmon because of uh, the amount of uh, height he could get off some of his, um, his <laughs> leaps into the box. I mean, it really is impressive if you look at it, and fair play to him. And that's good, because I think the loss of Omar Sawumni was really something that was cited as a big blow to Yeovil mm. going into that game. But the fact that you've got somebody like Mugabe who can come in and produce a performance like that, it does give Darren Weir a selection headache going into the games like at For- against Forest Green tomorrow or at um, Port Vale on Saturday, because... Really, you know, for back of a performance like that, it's it's difficult to see how Mugabe deserves to be dropped, and that's what you want to see. You want to see players coming in, taking their opportunities, and you want, you know, 
you want players to know that if they're going to be in the team, it's because they've had to fight for their place and had to earn it. You don't want players at this level to be just automatic picks because that's when you get that complacency set in and that's when results can begin to slide. So I think from that point of view, it's all looking really promising at the moment. That's good to hear because, yeah, we did worry, didn't we, that they'd be short at the back and that someone like Swimmy wouldn't be there to win those crucial headers when you're under pressure from a higher league team. So that's good to hear. It sounds like you pulled themselves together all across the park. Right, let's move on to talk about the draw then. Um, actually, I might slot in a, an FA Cup themed quiz here because oh. I've prepared some questions on the FA what Cup. What else could you have it on this of week? Of course, really? it's, gonna, it's all about the Cup this week. So this week's quiz is about the FA Cup. But um, Yeovil are going to be ball number 11 in the draw, which we'll be covering live on Somerset Live tonight. And I'll say that's on January the 8th if you are listening to this afterwards. Uh, a lot of our chat will hopefully still be relevant, especially still this quiz. So, right, let's, let's see then. I'll, I'll put up my normal little table together. And we'll see, we'll see if Mike can get a surprise victory against Stephen. So, here's the first question in our FA Cup themed quiz. Which number ball will Millwall be in January 8th's FA Cup draw? 33. But it's not, sorry, it's not 32 balls, isn't it? 31. <laughs> I'm going to have to accept your first answer. Uh, 25. Own <laughs> goal, Mike. I'm going to give Mike the points there just because Stephen has uh, had an own goal. So, yeah. What, what was the actual ball the number? The actual ball number that Millwall will be is 28. So, oh. so not too bad from you, Only Mike. Not off. too bad. All right, Stephen, there's plenty of opportunities for you to call it back here. <laughs> In January 2015, Angel Di Maria scored in the 90th minute against Yeovil Town. But in what minute did Ander Herrera open the score? 69. Oh, 66. So Stephen said 69. You've said? 66. Incredibly, Mike has beaten Stephen on his Yeovil knowledge here. It's the 64th minute. And it was quite an impressive goal, if I remember rightly. So it was. I've shot myself in the foot here because I showed Mike this uh, <laughs> very goal about two hours ago. So, oh, um, well, there you go. And it's only fair because yeah. Mike doesn't have quite the local knowledge of Stephen when it comes to that. Uh, third <laughs> round know. cup tie between he, Yeovil and Man United. Me, you know? Yeah, you know, so well done. You've, you've you've shot yourself in the foot twice, and Mike has raced into a two 0 lead. He's, he's I always think it's good to give my colleagues a good confidence. Absolutely. Third question: In November 2016, Solihull knocked Yeovil out on penalties in round one of the FA Cup after a one-all draw in the replay. But by what scoreline did Solihull win on penalties? Four-three. Four. I'm going to give that one to Stephen. It was 4-2. Oh. I know there are at least two players you missed in that. Ryan Dixon we won. I can't remember the other. Right. So one of the... We've been discussing, and we will discuss, who, who would be the best team for Yeovil to get in the fourth round draw. Perhaps the like sort of the the topical one this season is Manchester City. They're playing such good football, aren't they, under Pep Guardiola. But, you know, when Pep Guardiola was manager of Barcelona in Spain, how many times did he win the Copa del Rey, which is Spain's domestic oh. team? Stephen said two, and he's correct. And it's from 2-0 to 2-2, oh, just like that. Uh, 2009 on. and 2012, he's see, he's beginning to sweat now. Right. So now on this final question, it really does all rest on this. Oh God. And I have to say, I, I do fear for you, Mike, because it's sort of... Is it Yeovil Town folks, it's, by any it's, chance? It's, it's, it's related. It's related. I mean, it is a Yeovil Town podcast after oh all. Oh, God, here we go. There are a few League Two teams still in this year's FA Cup. Name the team left in it currently highest oh, in the table. Coventry. Notch County. 
Mike, I'm afraid you jumped in with the incorrect answer, oh. and Stephen has nailed it to come from two 0 down to win three oh, two. No, no, no! I've, All I, I can I say is it. let's hope that Manchester it. City go two 0 up against Yeovil in the fourth round, and then Yeovil storm back to a three two win at the City Ground. That'd be fantastic, wouldn't it? Oh. That's not the City Ground. City Ground is Nottingham Forest, isn't it? What's what's yeah, which would be an equally good Etihad, place to go, I think. Etihad yeah. Stadium is Man City, isn't it? <laughs> Anyway, right. As, so yes, we've already discussed some of the teams Yeovil could face there after Stephen Basks in his comeback victory. Let's talk to Mike about who do you think would be the most exciting team that Yeovil could draw um, in this FA Cup fourth round draw tonight. Well, it would be like a big name in the cup, really, at Hillish uh, Park, really, because obviously we want no one would it be a financial boost, but it obviously would put Yeovil on the map and get a lot of uh, local attention. So it would be something like I don't know, uh, like a Liverpool or a Tottenham or. A, a Man City maybe coming to town um, just to bring the fans in, really, and it would bring so much media attention to the club, of course, that they rightly deserve as well. Well, that's an interesting so. debate you've sort of sparked in my mind there. Stephen, yeah. is it better to get a home, obviously on paper financially, an away trip is probably better to go to a bigger stadium, but, you know, as Newport proved this weekend with their sort of shock win at home to Leeds... You know, if, if you've got home advantage and, and these bigger clubs aren't used to playing on a smaller stadium, maybe a bobblier pitch. Although I must say, Yeovil's ground always has quite a nice pitch, I think. But um, mm. well, it's beginning to cut up now. Is it been a cut up a bit now? Yeah, is it? Yeah. yeah. So, so yeah. I mean, do you think it's better to try and pull off a shock at home, or sure, you know, it's probably quite exciting for the fans to go on a bigger away trip to a nice big stadium as well, isn't it? Yeah, that's it. I think it's, it's pros and cons to both sides. I think financially, actually, an away trip is probably better, particularly if you're going to say draw a team like Manchester United or Manchester City because the FA the FA Cup works I think it's, it's like the, all, all the gate receipts are split evenly between the two clubs and so Old Trafford which holds 75,000 people the amount of money that you can get from that is much higher mm. than the Hirsch Park mm. however the flip side of that is that historically TV companies are more likely to pick you for live coverage if you're at home because then there's more chance they, or they feel there's more chance that the home team is going to pull off an upset so um there are pros and cons. I think if you had to ask me personally, I'd quite like an away tie because a lot of Yeovil's, you know, big ties that we've had in the FA Cup in recent years have all been at home. So yeah. it'd be quite nice for the, the fans to get the chance to go to one of the big stadiums. I think in terms of the teams that they could face, I'd quite like either Manchester City or Tottenham would probably be my first two choices. And the reason I say that is, you know, as much as Manchester United or Liverpool would be great to face, Yeovil have faced them both relatively recently so it'd be nice if they were going to face a really big name for them to get um, one they haven't faced before Chelsea also fall into that bracket but because they're still not definitely through they've still got to negotiate a replay against Norwich which you would expect them to but I think the problem you have with um, with drawing Chelsea tonight is that there's always going to be that element of doubt until they're definitely through so yeah. you'd rather get if you're going to get a big team you'd rather get one and know you're definitely facing them because it would be pretty um Pretty frustrating, I think. <laughs> yeah. All the hype was about Chelsea and then Norwich go and pull off a shock at Stamford Bridge next week and mm. um, all of a sudden you're going to Carrow Road, which, you know, would still be a decent draw for Yeovil, but it's not what, you know, the fans would be not, hoping for. It's not quite really. the magic, is it? Uh, no. I'd say I agree with you. I mean, I think, you know, it, people always say Manchester United, but it's so fresh in the memory, maybe, that 2015 tie, that I think it'd be nice to have something different again unless like you say if it's a trip to Old Trafford it's so lucrative then maybe you know you yeah can't. I think Manchester United at home might be a little bit underwhelming just yeah, because it's been because, so yeah. it's only been three years since they last played them 
Man City, I think, would be much better anyway yeah. because I think the like to see the likes of you know Kevin De Bruyne, Sergio Aguero, Raheem Sterling, you know all these guys come down to Hewish Park. It'd be something to behold. Well, even if City played a second string team, it, you'd think there'd be a few big names. Yeah, in the even oh, a yeah. second string City team are incredibly strong, and yeah. there'll still be plenty of you know household names in it. So, well, when you think, think that, that Yaya Toure has been playing in a lot of secondary sort of fixtures for them this season, you know it's a player which. A lot of Yeovil fans would be able to look at and think, listen, a few years ago he was winning titles for City, wasn't he? So, yeah, absolutely. I think one point I'd like to make about this draw, though, is I think for Yeovil it's been quite a frustrating couple of years. I don't think there's any getting away from that. Yeah. You know, results on the pitch haven't been great. There's been a lot of discontent among a lot of the fans towards the board and the ownership there. And I think really, you know, for fans have had quite a lot to contend with, certainly since the Championship season. And if there is a set of fans in this country would probably deserve to have you know a, a lucrative tie or something to really you know look forward to and get excited about it probably is Yeovil and I think you know if Yeovil were to draw a big name tonight it would be no less than a lot of those fans who have had quite a lot to go through in the last few years you know it'd be no less than they deserve because you know you go to you know you have away games like at Luton or at Carlisle or at Morecambe where you know you go to those games and you leave so dejected so demoralized and you almost think well hang on is there really you know any light at the end of the tunnel here so if you ever were to get a trip to Old Trafford or get a trip to the Etihad or something like that it would be you know, it'd be a really you know feel-good story for those fans, and it would be something which they can really get behind and get excited about, and that would be great to see because, you know, if you if you're a loyal Yeovil fan, if you've um, if you stuck with them through thick and thin, you know, you 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 want something, but you, know, you want some kind of payoff at the end of it, and this would be you know in a season where things aren't particularly going you know as well as they would like in the league, this would be just be such a good thing for for them to to be able to look forward to and enjoy. I agree. I think mm. I think the ones to watch out for personally are Liverpool, who are ball number four, and you've got Man City, who are down there as ball number 23, and Tottenham, ball number 18. I think they're the teams which have probably, in the last few years, been playing the nicest football, and an away trip to one of those would be really exciting, just on the pitch, but also financially for Yeovil. So let's hope for those numbers. Mike, you know, you're familiar with the magic of the cup after this weekend, because... Ball number 12 is Nottingham Forest. Yes. Uh, knocked out Arsenal, who I believe you might hold a soft spot for. I mean, you know, what What, what do you think about the magic of the cut? Obviously, it's a it's a trophy Ooh. which Arsenal have been very successful in, in yes. recent years. Yes, it has been. Um, you know, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was, you know, obviously a competition Arsenal has won seven times. Um, past 21 years, uh, always quite through his third round the FA Cup. So yesterday was a bit of a... What do you um, make of top managers kind of Putting second string sides out. Um, I don't mind. I, I I don't mind it as long as it's um, as long as the game's properly assessed. If you were mm. going against like a, a League Two team and you know and you've and you've got one two people uh, players for failure but jaded and you're thinking oh, okay well there's, there's these good youngsters and new team deserve a um, a run out on the first team then fair enough. Um, in terms of yes, in terms of um, but again it just depends on the occasion itself really. Mm. I always feel that um, if you're gonna Put um, a second string streamer, a second string team out. You've always got to put in pop first team team players in there, so it gives a sense a of reality. And again, as well, even even if you're going to field a okay, second string team, at least put some like, arguably decent players on the bench. So you know, if you yeah. if you find yourself three one down, with twenty minutes to go, you can then go, all right, well I've got three uh, brilliant players on the bench. I can just bring them on, and we get some here. Yeah. Um, 
But yeah, I mean, I think you're right. Just as long yeah. as it's reasonable, isn't it? And yeah, not to take the Mickey really, but yeah. I think it's a case of don't take games too um, too lightly, really, and just be a case of you know something could drastically go wrong. You've got to have a backup plan, like any other game, really, to make sure you uh, progress, really. So I agree. And just to point out quickly, we've we mentioned some of the bigger teams in the draw. Numbers you don't want to see come out as a Yeovil fan. Number eight, Coventry, who already in League Two. Number nine, Newport County, obviously. Conquered Leeds at the weekend, but no desire to see them take on Yeovil again. Knotts County, <laughs> probably don't want to see either. Rochdale, another bit of an uninspiring one. And then we've got a few others in there as well. But Stephen, we've mentioned the money. If you could just briefly explain you know, what sort of difference it would make if Yeovil did have a big team and where that money could go at the club. Well, I think I speak on behalf of every Yeovil Town fan. But I think if, if Yeovil are going to get money, it has to be reinvested in the playing squad. It is no good. To, for the board to not invest it in in the playing squad, the budgets this year haven't been, you know, hasn't been that high compared to some previous years. And really, you know, my my take on it is if Yeovil are going to get far in this competition, and if Darren Way and the players are going to be the ones responsible for doing that, then they're the ones that deserve to see the rewards when they come in. I think it would be unacceptable for the board to take that money and not reinvest it in the squad because it really is an <coughs> opportunity. When you're in the position to be overall on the table, and let's not be Matt Bush here, they are not safe from relegation yet. They probably do need, you know, three or four more quality signings in this January window. And that is your perfect opportunity, if you get it, to reinvest it in the squad and really make sure that you're better off on the pitch for the rest of the season. So that's where I would like to see the money go. I mean, if you over were to get a big Premier League team away and potentially get TV coverage, because Manchester United, before this weekend, I think have been on TV every game for the last sort of 12 years, if it was that, for example, you could be looking at anywhere sort of, um, you know, around the million pound mark. It could even be that high. Mm. So, you know, that's very, very best case scenario. But certainly I think a good Premier League team will hopefully bring you in, you know, six figures. And if you win, then it's even more than that. I think you over made something like 117,000. I might be well off there, but it's 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 around the six figure mark mm. that you over already made from the competition. And I think if you're going to, you know, if you're going to get far in the competition, because you're winning games, then the money deserves to go into the squad. Yeah, I think that's a fair point. And um, just we've talked, we're talking about the playing squad there and, and, and comings and goings and transfers leading on from talking about investment. Let's talk about January so far. We've mentioned Barnes and Bird, the new boys who impressed against Bradford. Are there any more new boys uh, that we can expect? Any more I've, I've not mentioned that we've already got in? And what about players going out? Because I know there's a still talk about Otis Khan potentially leaving. Yeah, I'm going to start with the players who have come in. Yeah. Obviously, there, were Bar- there was Barnes and Bird, who both played um, most of the game on Saturday. Um, there were two others who also came on late on. Um, oh, was non-league Corey. Messi, of course. Yeah, the so non-league Messi. I'll start with him. And Lewis yeah. Swing, who was previously at Shildon, who was bought by Middlesbrough last summer, and he's been... Um, been loaned out to Yeovil for the second half of the season. I've spoken to a, um, a former colleague of mine who um, now covers Middlesbrough and he's very, very enthusiastic about him. He says he's got everything needed to succeed at championship level, but I think the feeling is because he came from non-league and he's still quite raw, he could really do with a year, you know, a year or six months in the lower leagues just to get that experience of playing mm. at this level before he can then go back to Middlesbrough and stake his um, claim for a place in their first team. So I think that 
looks like a really promising signing. And obviously, the, the the plus you have with somebody who's played at non-league level for two years is that they're not going to be overwhelmed by playing men's football because they've they've been there, they've done it. Yeah. And in some cases, playing at that level is tougher than playing in the football league because you're mm. you're playing on really you know horrible pitches in some Very cases, and well. horrible weather yeah. conditions. You know, you've got players there who aren't you know afraid to kick lumps out of you. So it does toughen you up and it gets you ready for that standard of football. So I'm really enthusiastic about him. That's a good point, though, yeah. because like you say, often Yeovil are getting, I guess, Premier League or Championship players from their academy who maybe are just a bit too yeah. raw and don't cope well with and a proper quite big quite often defender. players who have never been out on loan before. So really, yeah. Yeovil is a proving ground so for a lot of a, these players. This is a good one, potentially. And that then, brings well, me yeah. on to um, Corey Whelan, who is the fourth player that came in. Um, he's Liverpool's under-23s captain. He's a centre-back mainly, but can play right-back. And he you know, he looks like he's got good credentials there. He's a Republic of Ireland youth international. Um, but again, you know, it's somebody who, on paper, he looks like a great signing and he should do well. And I'm looking forward to seeing him get into the team and see how he, how he gets on. But you do have to have the air of caution with under-23 players because the last under-23s captain that Yeovil brought in was Keston Davis. And yeah. It didn't go quite that well. So hopefully... And he's gone back already. Yeah, he yeah. went back last week. <laughs> Hopefully, Whelan will prove to be much um, much more adept and um, he'll really you know, make a big impact because I think these players, they have a lot of potential. And um, there was some concern when Yeovil made so many loan signings last week that these were panic signings that Darren um, had just gone out and was desperate to, you know, fill a, um, just to put a team together for Bradford. Yeah, yeah. I, I am told that, um, that these were players that were always on Yeovil's radar. They may not have you know, wanted or planned to loan them in as early in the window, but these were all targets that they had lined up and right. that they wanted to bring in so I wouldn't worry too much in that regard it, it, if anything it could work out in Yeovil's favour because if they have had to bring these players in early and they turn out to be good players and the signs with Bird and Barnes is what they are then um, it could you know stand them in good mm. stead in the, in the next few games so you know I, I don't have too many concerns about that really so let's talk about the three big ones then I think that potentially Yeovil fans would be worried about losing so we've I mentioned Otis Khan, then you've got Surridge, yeah. who's, um, who's, who's on loan from Bournemouth, if I'm right in saying, and yeah. then Ola Moller, who obviously there was talk of whether you could get him permanently from Southampton, but yeah. perhaps if we've got Barnes in on a loan from Southampton, does that bode badly for that? I think it's very unlikely that, um, that fellow Ola Moller will be back at Yeovil Town. I think mm. everything I'm hearing suggests that he doesn't, you know, he, he's not too keen on coming back on a permanent deal. I think he and his agent, you know, are, are trying to hold out to see whether... You know there is um, the option of moving him into League One, mm. and I can you know I can kind of understand that from a, um, a player's point of view because I think if you're going out on loan, then League Two is a good place to start. But there is all of talk that Southampton want to get rid of him or want to release him in the summer, in which case he'll be needing to look for a new club permanently. Southampton see this as an opportunity to get money for him. Yeovil have tried to sign him permanently, but I think you know we we always said that all it would take would be for a club at League One level to come in for him and there'd be no chance that Yeovil would get him back. And I think that that's what they're waiting for. It could always you know, turn out, if you get to the end of a transfer window and nobody's come in for him, there could always be that opportunity to go back and maybe try and sign him. But I think at the moment it's unlikely that, that we'll see um, all a fellow on a while back at Yeovil, unfortunately. And what about Surridge? Surridge is... Um, Surridge, Unfortunately, he got injured um, in the build-up to the game, which was always just... Had a dead leg, I think. Uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so de- dead, um, dead leg that he got. He missed the... Um, he-, he missed Saturday's game. Um, I Hopefully, it's nothing too serious. Don't know exactly how long he'll be out for. But, again, Bournemouth have the option to recall him. So, it could be that 
he could still be called back. I know that Darren Way, you know, is very much hoping that doesn't happen. Mm. He's been a key player for Yeovil, and if they are going to lose players like Olamola and Khan, then it would be a real blow if they were to mm. lose Serge as well, just to have somebody there who's been in and around the team in the first half of the season and has scored goals alongside um, Francois Yoko. So um, hopefully, yeah, fingers crossed, he might stay. But again, it's down to Bournemouth there. If Bournemouth want to recall him, or if Bournemouth need to recall him because they've got quite a few injuries, mm. I understand Josh King is out. They're going to sell Lewis Graben probably to Wolves. So they may want to strike an option. And having seen Surridge score at League Two level, they may want him to come and sit on their bench. So again, possibly he might go, but hopefully he won't. It sounds more positive than Olamola, mm. that situation. Yeah, I think it's it? certainly more likely. If you had to pick, if there was definitely going to be one of them here at the end of January, and you didn't know which one, you'd, you'd guess, well, Surridge. Yeah, you know, all so Khan then is, I guess, perhaps. Yeah, perhaps, I mean, for me, from what I've seen of Yeovil this season, he seems like to be probably Yeovil's star player, further, mm. for, with the exception other than Zoko, and his pace just seems to really frighten teams. So is that attracting teams higher up the pyramid? Yeah, my, my understanding is there are a few clubs that are looking at him that are interested. Um but again, it, it comes down to, to whether they're you know interested enough to put a bid in. I think, you know, I wouldn't want to bet my house on him being here at the end of January. And um, the reason for that is because, you know, if he's scoring 10 goals from midfield or from the wing in the first half of the season, he's got seven assists on top of that as well. Mm. Those are numbers that are going to interest teams at the higher levels. And there are a number of teams that are, you know, making moves in, at League One level who are, you know, putting in big money bids. I mean, a perfect example that we saw last um, last week was that um, I think Billy Bowden went to Preston for £400,000. Mm, so, yeah. you know, these, this is the sort of... This is the sort of week, yeah, so this mm. is the sort of money that... Um, this is the sort of money that, that teams are willing to bid for players <coughs> at League One and League Two level. And um, I think if you're looking for a winger or a wide man or somebody who's going to, you know, be that creative influence on your team, then... Otis Khan is definitely somebody who's going to be on your radar. So, um, so it sounds I like you're saying that it might not, that it's not a definite that he's going to leave, but also if he does, there's a silver lining that could, could be some decent cash. Yeah, it's definitely going to be a six figure sum that it will take to, um, to take him. Um, but again, you know, I think I would say there, there's a very good chance that he may go. Mm. And I think, again, if a League One team comes in for him and bids, you know, big money for him, then you can't begrudge him that move because at the end of the day, these are young players who have high ambitions, who want to play at a higher level. And I think, you know, if the price is right, Yeovil will sell because, and like you say, they can then use that money, hopefully with a good amount of cash from the FA Cup run and reinvest that in the squad and um, make sure that the rest of the squad, you know, is strengthened because Khan, losing Khan would be a huge blow and Yeovil need to make sure if they, it does come to that, that they minimise that blow as much as they can by strengthening elsewhere well yeah let's I think think let's keep it upbeat because it sounds like that some of these lone players which have come in that they could fill that Khan gap um, so yeah let's uh, let's hope that it's all good news what with the cup run and also some good lone boys coming in uh, that I think that's it for this episode of Glover's Talk uh, thank you for listening don't forget to subscribe on Audio Boom and iTunes and go to somersetlive.co.uk forward slash sport for all our coverage, no matter what happens, of the FA Cup fourth round draw and subsequent matches for Yeovil this week. Thanks for listening. 
Ik vind een bundel van 2GB stiekem meer dan genoeg. Niet omdat het moet. Nu 2 gig data met een 0 minuten bel- en sms-bundel voor maar 9 euro per maand. Omdat het kan. Check tele2.nl voor de beste deal voor jou. Niet omdat het moet, maar omdat het kan.